Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to or watching the Truth That Heals podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez. And today I'm joined by an amazing and a very special guest, Casey from the Cult Vault. Welcome to the show, Casey. Oh, Ryan, thank you for inviting me on the Truth That Heals. I'm very excited to be here today. It's a great way to spend a Saturday, I think. Yes, and it is such an honor. Um, for the, those who don't know, when I started my own healing journey and getting into cults, I actually started off watching a documentary, a docuseries on Hulu called Cults and Extreme Beliefs. And there is this expert. Her name is Yanya Lalich. So I went to her Twitter account, and I don't want to sound like a stalker, but I was just trying to educate myself. So I went to Yanya's uh, Twitter account, and I saw that she had retweeted uh, some material from Casey from the Cult Vault podcast, which got me into this huge rabbit hole of going through your podcast and educating myself and being able to say wow, I really came from a culty background. And then I had the honor of being on your show. And, you know, first of all, I wanted to thank you for helping me to find my voice. And it really has helped me in my own healing journey. So I just wanted to start off with that, Casey. Thank you very much, Ryan. I get really emotional when you talk to me about this, because I think it's, um, I think it's a big sort of, echo chamber that we're working in and sometimes the work can be overwhelming and we might not recognize any of the impact that it's having but when I hear you talk like that it's um it's really amazing and it's cool to hear that when people retweet your work or when you retweet other people's work or, sh or share amongst each other on social media it's reaching new people I think that's awesome as well yeah, and that's the power of, of today. You know, back in the past, it would have been a lot more difficult for me to find the resources, for me to find uh, people to help me, you know, support groups. And, you know, for those who are listening, who are maybe listening for the first time, uh, maybe I can be proof, you know, also Casey, that there is hope out there. But uh, I wanted to, you know, give the mic over to you because I wanted you to uh, present to the audience, those who have never heard you, if you can introduce a little bit about yourself and about the work that you do. Well, my name is Casey. I don't tend to share my last name. And one time, uh, a, a former guest of the podcast and friend of mine, Spencer Schneider, once said to me, oh, you think you're too cool for a last name? You think you're like seal, do you? And that is just one of the funniest things anyone said to me. Um, so I'm Casey and I host the Cult Vault podcast, which is a long format interview based show where I speak to different cult survivors each week and experts and individuals working in the cult education and prevention field. It's really a mixed bag of content that's available on the podcast, exploring the subject of coercive control at this point, not just cults, um, although, of course, the two do tend to overlap. You've been doing this for, I think, about three years now. Is that correct? So in 2020? It's coming up to, yeah, it's coming up to the uh, the, the third anniversary of the show in May. So so quickly. That's right around the corner. You, 
it seems weird it's like it feels like it's been around for a lot longer but it also feels like it's still brand new so i i am interested in kind of understanding the genesis not to be biblical here but just the origins of this project now did you always feel a need to do a podcast on cults like did you study go to university and study how to do a podcast or was there something else that stirred your heart and mind to take up such a project i think this is such a common question that people ask me typically before I record with an individual they'll say oh how did you get into this this podcast um are you a cult survivor yourself and um I feel like I need to write a bio somewhere just to kind of put this out there but I am not a, a cult survivor I'm not somebody that has lived experience of being in a cultic environment although I do think that I have experienced coercive control in some manner not to the degrees of 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 the individuals that I speak with but um I I had no idea how to do a podcast and I didn't really know anything about cults so it's a bit strange that I'm sitting here in this position right now it it started in the first lockdown of covid it was like February, March time, and we had a four-month-old newborn baby, and we were first-time parents. And my partner was considered a, a key worker over here in the UK, which meant that he had to keep going into work um, whilst most other people were staying home at that time. And we couldn't have anybody come round, um, and the shift patterns my partner was working were days and nights and days and nights and the baby's pattern was you know days and nights and days and nights so it was really like this whole thing that we were going through not just new t new parents with this little tiny bundle but also this whole lockdown thing was so hard for everybody to navigate at first it, it was just such a strange change to the way that that typical life was and I found myself binge watching box sets of popular TV shows. And I was getting through them so quickly. Because the the, the our baby was such a, a restless sleeper and really didn't sleep for long periods of time. So instead of just dozing off and getting woken up by the baby who needed me, it was actually easier to stay awake because as I'm sure you've experienced, Ryan, being on that cusp of sleep and being brought out of it is so damaging psychologically. So it was actually easier for me to stay awake and just binge box sets of of, of TV shows. But I started thinking to myself, I'm going to get to the end of this lockdown and, and I'm all I'm going to do is like name the main characters of like the TV show Lost. And I wanted to be able to do something a bit more significant than that, even though I did love Lost. And I thought I'd try and take up a hobby. So I tried knitting and I didn't like it. And I tried baking and my partner almost threw up. So I was thinking, what else can I do? And I tried, um, I tried podcasting. I found an old box in in a room that we hadn't unpacked yet and in this <laughs> anyone that's that's heard me talk about this before probably knows what I'm gonna say but 
I found this old um, room mic that I'd had for years that I hadn't taken out of the box, just this tiny little Zoom mic that you plug in um, to your laptop. And I found a bunch of notes that I made in a little like leather uh, zip up A4 pocket of um, unsolved mysteries. I like researched different unsolved mysteries and made notes on them. Like, like I don't know, maybe like I was the person that was going to solve them. I don't know. <laughs> but I, um, I thought that was really funny. So I was talking to my friend on the phone later that day and told them that I was thinking about starting a podcast about unsolved mysteries. And she told me that she'd just finished reading Beyond Belief by Jenna Miscavige-Hill about her escape from her uncle's cult Scientology or uncle's now group Scientology because, of course, David Miscavige took over after L. Ron Hubbard's death um, or ascension or, you know, <laughs> re repurposing or, or whatever word you want to use. So um, she said, you should do a podcast on cults because it, the subject is really fascinating. So I thought about it for a little while. I watched a couple of things on YouTube. I watched a couple of documentaries. And at that point, I was already binging various different true crime content so I was like yeah I know loads about cults I know so much about cults I've watched like a few documentaries so like of course I know so much mm -hmm. which was probably the most untrue thing I've ever said um and started doing research into infamous cults starting with an episode on what is a cult um, diving straight into the people's temple and then I started looking at the Hare Krishnas um, and I was thinking like is it a cult isn't it a cult and I was going to you know do a series on like cult or not cult because uh, some people would say that ISKCON is a cult and some people would say it's not um, maybe some chapters of it is culty and maybe in principle the teachings are not culty but then if you look at the person that started ISKCON I would say it probably is a cult personally so um of course I didn't know that at the time either and uh and then one time I was like mooching around on reddit and I was um I was communicated with by a lady called Helen Zuman who wrote a book called Mating in Captivity about her time on Zendik Farm. And she was like, do you want to read my memoir? And I said, yes, absolutely. So I read it and I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea about the depth of this subject. Um, even after reading that book, I still had no idea. You know, I, I was still thinking, wow, now I know so much more because I've read this book. Mm -hmm. um, and I said to Helen, could I interview you for my podcast? And she said yes. And I, I totally didn't think she'd say yes. I'd done like three episodes at this point. I'd never interviewed anyone in my life. I still didn't know anything about the subject. And uh, I think it was like a four hour interview. And my back was dripping with sweat the whole time. I was so stressed. At one point, after reading some articles about Zendik Farm online, where it was called a sex cult, I said to Helen, how did you escape the sex cult? And she told me off and she said, actually, Casey, I need to uh, just correct you there. It wasn't a sex cult. It was a cult with a radical take on sex and relationships. I never would have made that distinction if it wasn't for Helen telling me straight at that point, you know, actually, that is not correct. 
And I'm so thankful for that early lesson that I had because it taught me straight away that there are things reported in the media that are incorrect. There are There is terminology that is widely used to label certain things, which is not correct. There are so many different misconceptions around the types of people that join cults that is just not correct. So Helen really kind of caused me to have this huge epiphany at that point. And I couldn't apologize enough. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I'll cut that out of the episode. And she was like, no, I think you should leave it in. She wasn't offended. She was just correcting me. And after that episode was aired, I just had more and more and more and more people who have survived their respective cultic environments reaching out saying, can I please tell you my story? And I just haven't stopped since then. There are so many episodes where you can just just listen. Well, I listen usually during my car rides to work because it's like half an hour going one way, half an hour back. So it gives me a good hour or a good, um, you know, 70 minutes. And they're they're quite lengthy. But now, uh, uh, more recently, I see that you're breaking. You have that little mini series now. Um, so th- there's a lot going on in your podcast. And I wanted to uh, ask you, how did you get the name Cult Vault? Was it uh, just, was it like a, a moment or like you, you, had a, you had a vision maybe? Or what was it? I don't know, really. I think I just messed around with loads of different words together. And I was looking at what other names existed uh, for cult podcasts at that time. Um, You know, let's talk about sects. That was already a name. And I was like, that is such a good name for a a cult podcast. Um, Indoctrination. That was another great one. And all of these podcasts that already existed, I was realizing that I might have to choose something that didn't sound similar to any of those but I also wanted something that was like either catchy or something that would stand out so the cult vault it rhymes it is now a vault of of episodes on cults you know there's 230 plus episodes in in the back catalog now so it is a vault um and I'm, I'm really proud of it I I kind of feel well, there was a period during my time in the community when all that we had access to was Encarta. I'm not sure if people still use that, uh, but it was like an old, like 2004 version of this Encarta encyclo- encyclopedia. It was just the the CD, and it was like just um, you know, it, it, it's an encyclopedia. But that I would read about everything because that's the only place where I can go. So if I want to learn about a, a certain cult or a certain group, I always go to the cult vault because it's like an encyclopedia. There's just so much information and it's so very uh, educational. And for you, you've also shared just right now how you were enlightened and educated by that one guest. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious into knowing what were your opinions about cult leaders and cult members at the very start or even before you started uh, doing this podcast? I don't recall exactly what my thoughts and feelings were on the subject of cults specifically. Um, I do know that I would have classed myself as an unethical true crime content consumer in terms of 
uh, judging victims if the narrative was she walked home late at night you know maybe there was a part of me that would think oh she shouldn't be walking home late at night you know victim blaming in its probably most like purest form um I do remember being somebody that would listen to true crime podcasts watch documentaries go to sleep with like forensic files on I don't know if you've ever watched forensic files but I that is the sort of thing files. I would just fall asleep to forensic files I mean it's quite a dated series now and I realized looking back on it that there, there are issues with some of the content but at the time I was like this is the best thing I've ever listened to <laughs> this program can't do anything wrong um and I'm sure that my opinions on true crime in that manner translated over to the subject of cults I do think that there was probably a part of me that was like I could never be drawn into a cult you know kind of like a superior kind of mm. superiority over those that have been in cults which is interesting when you think about the parallel between me having those thoughts of feelings about myself and people in cults where they believe that they are in the only group that can save them from the end of the world or that they are the only ones with this hidden knowledge you know that superiority translates across all of those spaces which I think is really interesting um but I think speaking with individuals who have had that lived experience really made me realize that when I'm listening to, uh, I don't do so much of this anymore, I think maybe since my kids were born, but when I'm listening to the story of someone's child being abducted and harmed and abused or even killed, that is somebody's child. And that individual went through those experiences. And I don't know that that was really, I think I've always had a level of empathy and always thought, oh my goodness, that must have been so hard. But I don't think I ever really grasped the depth of what it meant for those family members to go through something like that. And speaking with cult survivors about their experiences, how it actually felt growing up or being funneled into a system where everything in your life is completely controlled. It was like harrowing to learn that stuff but so eye-opening at the same time I don't know that I ever would have had such a shift in perspective or opinion or even you know mostly education if it wasn't for having those conversations with people that have actually actually lived through those things well I've kind of, I kind of think that the cult vault is sort of a true crime because these are crimes that are happening that are they're just silent. They're they're not revealed. They remain hidden, and that's the the culty side. But like when you watch like forensic files or these documentaries, I don't know about you, but like w when I would watch them, it doesn't really affect me so much. You know, I can, like you were saying, you can go to sleep. But when you start talking to real people, like on on your podcast, you're talking to survivors very frequently, and you really get to have that. Do you feel like a connection with them? Absolutely, absolutely. And even though I haven't personally been a part of a, a cult or a coercive group, there are still elements to everyone's stories that I'm able to relate to. And I think that creates a, a connection. I think my genuine curiosity and interest in the subject, it that, that creates a connection. I think 
trying to be as compassionate and sensitive as possible, I think helps establish a connection with each guest. Um, and I don't know if that's just part of the work that I did previously to, to start in the podcast, but I think that there's always been a part of me that's been mindful of the ethics in true crime and perhaps the issues that that we have now i i'm like a strong advocate for ethical content now and i understand exactly what ethical content should look like and what unethical content looks like um i i try actively to stay away from from things that are detrimental and harmful to victims and their families and i remember in the early stages of the podcast where this woman in the news was being labeled a cult mum, and I was like oh who's this person and her name was Laurie Vallow and now that story is so big across the world she's finally about to stand trial from April 3rd onwards for the murder of her two children after enforcing this wild belief system based on the teachings of the the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and it just descended into something else completely uh, I emailed the the aunt of one of the victims, one of the children that died. I found her website and it had an extensive timeline that she had made herself on her website. And I emailed her and I said, can I please use your timeline in my coverage on my podcast about this case? Um, and she was like, oh, my goodness, I would love to get the word out there in as many ways as possible. Please feel free to use my content. And that's the very early stages of the podcast. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done that if I was completely unaware of ethics in, in true crime. And I also don't know if I've done that since, but perhaps that's because a lot of the sources I use for content aren't created by victims' families themselves. This is more kind of, you know, um, court case documents, uh, public records, um, other media outlets and, and newspapers and stuff. But this timeline, it was written by one of the, the victims' family members. So I thought it was important to ask her permission. Um, and, uh, and she came back and said yes. As a podcaster, do you see yourself more as an educator or more like a journalist or could it be a mixture of both? I'm, re I'm really not too sure about that, to be honest. I'm not sure that I've been able to answer that question myself. I, I have enrolled into a, a master's course that starts in September with an aim to put everything that I have learned into some type of qualification. Uh, I think it would be amazing to be able to say, I've learned so much through this work that now I have a master's degree. Of course, there's the research and, and all of the work that goes with, with that as well. But I did think about taking uh, some courses in journalism um, and, and really learning about the ethics of journalism from a professional standpoint. Um, so I'm really not not too sure on 
where I stand, maybe a bit of both. The way I like to look at the cult vault is like, it's my personal journey through uh, learning about this subject with the help of all of these amazing, brave, incredible people who are like, this is what happened to me. And there are so many messages from people that are like, I left that group. This has been so validating to hear. Please thank your guest. People that come forward and say, I found this and didn't, and, and you know, I was about to put down this huge sum of money on a yearly subscription to this group. But I listened to this episode and now I'm not going to do that. Um, there's other people that have said, you know, this is, this was the the catalyst for getting uh, one of my loved ones out. So the stories that people come on the show to tell, they are honestly changing lives, maybe saving lives. Like every single survivor that comes on the show and shares their story, there's no way of knowing like the ripple effect of, of sharing that story, not just on my show, but on other people's podcasts or in newspaper articles or starting their own show like you've done where you tell your story and then interview other people and it's like this huge thing that's now starting to happen and it's amazing and also what I love is that it's kind of me being like cults I know nothing and then every single episode it's like I've learned a little bit more um so if anybody goes back and listens to the earlier episodes where the audio quality is terrible and I am so ignorant and I don't know anything and I probably use horrific terminology and ask really insensitive questions even though I genuinely don't mean to and and I won't delete those episodes because I I I have come on a journey and I'm not ashamed of that I'm not ashamed to say that I would consume true crime content unethically um and and be judgmental about certain things i am not the person that i was um and i if i met me now and i you know sat down for coffee with old casey i'd be like oh my goodness you are just not a good person or you just don't have a great mentality about this um so I think what's really interesting is if you listen to episode one and you listen all the way through, which is almost impossible at this point, I think the episodes are so long. It, it's so possible. People can do it. <laughs> I think you you would also hear my journey of what I've learned and, and how I've learned those things because I read journals, I read memoirs, I read books, I watch documentaries. Um, you know, I'm in contact with several cult experts. I'm, I'm enrolling onto this course in September. But really, the bulk and basis of my education is the conversations that I've had with survivors. So if people were to listen to my back catalogue without, you know, if they were coming from the same place that I was, you know, didn't know anything about cults or thought they knew everything and didn't really know that much. And they were to listen to the catalogue all the way through, they would probably by the end be at the same place that I am now. And I think that that's really cool. Well, something I... I found about the cult vault is that it's not just uh, lectures. It is survivors giving testimony, giving shared experiences. And many times these are painful to listen to, but I feel that you've given a voice to so many people who didn't have a voice. How does that make you feel? to know that you're giving a voice to so many who have been silenced and abused for years. I think that anybody listening is probably like, 
oh she talks a lot which is true um I do I mean ask my partner he'll he'll tell you that I definitely talk <laughs> I talk a lot um I think I think part of my love language is really conversing with people but sometimes if I have thoughts if I'm connecting things in my mind one of the things that I love more than anything in the podcast is making connections between groups and establishing patterns from you know one religious group to one political group for example like that just I wouldn't say it excites me but it feels like I'm progressing academically if I'm able to say I recognize that systematic control exactly in this group and this group and this group and I think I think that it's amazing that we are able to categorize cults in that way and it shows why the professionals and the leading experts are able to conduct uh, the research in the way that they do and and publish their findings and when I started the podcast I think I would get too excited when those connections came to my mind and I had a tendency to cut people off from talking or I would ask a follow-up question too soon I probably still do it more more than I should I shouldn't really do it at all so I had a lot of feedback from people saying oh the host needs to talk less which is something I've really tried to work on in the most recent episodes um so I wasn't a podcaster before this and I wasn't, you know, informed about cults either. So it's a journey of of, of two types. I'm, I'm still learning journalism etiquette um, from scratch. I'm still learning, you know, podcasting etiquette um, from scratch. And uh, it, it's an ongoing journey of education around the subject of cults as well. When it comes to me giving survivors a platform, I don't think that, that that's the case. I have a podcast and I record myself rambling on and I feel so like I feel so honored that people message me and say can I share my story I think that's incredible like especially when there's not that much about me personally online I I've intentionally tried to stay partially anonymous so people don't know me, my story, who I am, where I've come from. And to be trusted with individuals who come to share their most vulnerable experiences in the hopes of helping others, in the hopes of prevention, in the hopes of change, I think it's it's guests giving me the opportunity to continue the podcast. I don't think it's me giving people um a platform uh to share their stories uh or giving people a voice oh my goodness like to hear people taking back something that is theirs that was taken from them something as simple as your own words your own mind your own voice I just think that's absolutely incredible I say it all the time you know it's kind of like a collaborative podcast it's not just mine I don't think I could ever say it's just my show I like that. It's very collaborative. It's that it's I mean, I do like listening to opinions and I like seeing your journey. And I'm I'm sure that some audience like to see, you know, a survivor's journey. And what when I'm listening to these survivors, 
you know, then I started, I started wondering, oh, how are the other survivors? And then, you know, I started reflecting, oh, dang, what happened in, in, uh, in that episode uh, 27 with uh, such and such a uh, guest, it resonates with me and I'm sure it resonates with many other survivors. Uh, have there ever been any things mentioned on your podcast that perhaps resonated with you? Yeah, there's been a few things. There's been a few things that have resonated in different ways. Um, there's been a few things that I have completely disagreed with. And it's been difficult to tow that line. Um, there was an episode where an individual came on to tell me that they had had a message from God. Um, it's not for me to say whether that's true or not. Um, I'm an atheist. So of course that was something that didn't sit right with me personally, because I can't imagine ever believing in or having that type of experience. But again, this is an individual that I'm speaking to about traumatic events. And this person should still be, you know, this, this person is an individual that deserves compassion and sensitivity and some level of understanding so that was something that resonated in a certain way and then another time I spoke to somebody from the worldwide church of God and she spoke to me about some really difficult experiences that she had growing up in that movement and how in the years after she left there were a string of suspicious deaths and suicides and a few of these people were individuals that she'd grown up with people that she felt connected to and um and that was when the term survivor really became cemented um as my choice of terminology in the show because i I asked this individual, why do you use the term survivor? And she said, because I am a survivor. I am somebody that is still here that has survived the worldwide church of God. And there are so many of my peers who are not here. Um, and I have heard many people debate whether you should use the term victim whether you should use the term former member or ex-member. Um, and it was really after hearing that person talk about their experiences and why they use the word survivor that I realized to myself that that is how I see individuals that I'm speaking with. Um, anybody that comes out the other end of one of these experiences and is sitting down to speak to me about it, like, how could you, What? how could you, use any I feel like former or ex it it feels like diminishing in some ways for people that have experienced such difficult things um so that's another thing that that resonated with me um another thing that's quite nice that resonated with me is one time I was speaking to uh, a woman called Esther Friedman who uh, was a part of the Odyssey study group in Boston, um, who is also a friend with Spencer Schneider, who I mentioned at the beginning of our chat. And she calls her 
you know, X plus years in the Odyssey study group, a misadventure. And I really enjoyed that terminology because sometimes I think there's so many, there's so many loaded terms. There's so many uh, kind of dark and negative terms, of course, associated with the term cults, because the things that primarily happen in cults for them to be called cults are dark and, and evil things. Um, but for Esther to say that she, you know, she went on a misadventure, it it almost alleviates any blame that she may have been putting on herself for joining the Odyssey study group. Because she's not saying, you know, I joined. She's not saying, you know, when when I when I went into the cult, she's saying I went on a misadventure. And I just think that that's kind of like quirky terminology. Um so that yeah, there's been a few different things that have that have resonated with me. Um, I definitely say, and then there are parts that resonate with me from my personal life that I probably would never talk about openly on the show. Um, things that have been really difficult to untangle um, in my own mind after we've finished recording. Um, experiences that you know I don't tend to think about um or really unpack too much um so sometimes when I speak to individuals that detail their own experiences of the same thing I think um those conversations can be tricky and that's usually when I have to take a break uh for a couple of days um because you have to take care of yourself as well, which is something that we both talk about on a weekly basis on Reddit. You can find us yeah. at r slash cult podcasts every Tuesday. <laughs> yes, um, we do talk about the need to sometimes take a break because our this work can be very heavy at times. And you're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. Uh, you're, I, I consider you now as a cult expert and i guess my perspective would be that of a survivor so it's just interesting how what resonates with us aren't going to be the same things because sometimes we have similar guests or we'll talk about similar subject matter uh so not everything is going to be the same but it's just so interesting that you know we're still dealing with not a movie, not not a documentary, but we're really dealing with the actual survivors, actual victims. And I just find it very um, enlightening to hear the things that resonate with you. Now, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of uh, go back to that first episode titled Introduction, if I'm not if I'm correct. Introduction. I yeah, want that's it. That's it. I love it. I mean, I'm I'm curious on how was your method of tackling the very beginning of of this project of this journey? Because we see the development, but like, how'd you jump into the pool? How'd you like throw yourself into the ocean? Was it just record button and hey, or did you? write notes and you had it all all over the wall and you're reading from it how how was that journey oh god that <laughs> first episode it like ooh, i think it gives me a little bit of anxiety because it was really really stressful 
like but not it didn't need to be that's the thing like I think when you're doing something that's completely new to you and you don't really know what you're doing and you hope it goes well um I think I think it's tough um I had a little bit of sympathy then I think for my dad who always phones me up like why is my xbox not working talk me through this why does this screen look like this and I, I always think oh my goodness dad just google it or why don't you know how to do this by now and I think at that point I was like oh my poor dad and his xbox so I was sitting there with this room mic and I'd made notes um I'd I'd watched certain things I think during my research for episode one I had watched um so much of Yanya's stuff I watched her TEDx talk I watched her on cults and extreme belief I was just I was just watching everything to do with Yanya and interestingly I'd come across a lot of work by Teddy Hose as well a unification church second generation member who now speaks out about the unification church the moonies as a survivor of the group um speaks out about trafficking and and you know the, the the ongoings of the group still to this day and i remember making notes on what is a cult and i listened to so many different people and i read so many different dictionary definitions all around you know what is a cult and i made notes and i wrote a short introduction and i was trying to record it on my laptop through audacity which is a simple piece of software it's free to download anyone can download it and probably anyone can use it there's a big red button that says record and there's a big black square that says stop so i was like great this is perfect i plugged in my zoom mic had no idea what the sound levels sounded like i was like, i'm just going to record so i'm a breastfeeding mother of a four month old baby that's cluster feeding and for anyone that's not sure cluster feeding just means like having a little bit very often so instead of like having a big meal it's like a it's like a you know having a couple of peanuts and then a couple of strawberries and then and then very soon after a bag of crisps or chips as you might say and um I could just hear I could just hear the baby crying downstairs and I could hear my partner kind of trying all different ways to settle the baby down because he wouldn't take a bottle. And uh, and um, halfway through my recording, I clicked on the screen and it had stopped recording randomly for no reason. And I was sweating and I was so stressed. Um, and I was like, okay, oh, that's okay. I'll just quickly record it again. And the same thing happened. I don't know why. I still to this day don't know why. It happened for the first couple of weeks with Audacity and then it just stopped doing it. Maybe it just needed an update, you know, but at that time I wouldn't have even thought about that. Um, so eventually I recorded it and then I tried to edit it. At first I asked my sound technician friend if he would help me edit it and he realized it was going to be a lot of work. So he did one episode and then didn't want to do any more. Um, so I was like, I'll edit. And the sound quality was terrible and the recording itself was terrible. But I was so proud of myself when I uploaded that first episode. Oh my goodness. It's like it's like a a little a little rush that you get that can't really be replaced by anything else. You know, whether it's a TikTok video or whether it's a whole episode or whether it's like a new graphic on Instagram, just being a content creator and uploading what you have created it's like as you probably know Ryan it's absolutely amazing um and you know the feedback on top of of uploading work 
the feedback that you get from people for you know uploading this work into the world even though it's the guests that really supply the bulk of everything um it's it's really quite amazing so that first episode was stressful but I did it and I didn't give up and I uploaded it um, and I'm so proud of myself because anybody that's thinking of doing a podcast, the hardest thing you will do is record that first episode and put it out. And as soon as you've done that, you can do anything with your podcast. <laughs> that's very, I like how you were saying that the audio sucked. You pretty much are saying that the audio is terrible. It sucked. Oh yeah. I think but... it still does. I mean, I listen to it. It's it's okay. I mean, the thing is, the I think the important the important thing is that people can listen to it, and and I really liked how you said that. Although the audio was not the best, the best quality, you said something that a lot of people don't hear, and that is being proud. You are proud of that work, and that's like I mean, like. How often do people come home from work and are able to say, wow, I'm proud of the work I did today? I mean, it's it's not an everyday thing. So you to even just start this hobby, I mean, because you decided, <laughs> I mean, it was just a hobby. I mean, first it was like you were you were knitting and then I you said some some other projects and then boom. You know, now you you do this hobby, this project, and it's something that you can be pr- you can be proud about. And me personally, I kind of see podcasting as an art form where you can express yourself, and it's it, it's your it's your creation, the cult vault. And I'm just so excited to see, you know, the progress from episode one and to today. What episode are we at today? I released an episode this morning that was episode 238. Um, and that's that's excluding all the Patreon exclusives that are available, which are actually deep dives into infamous cults. So some of the feedback I got when I transitioned into a primarily interview-based show was that the some people preferred the scripted, researched, deep dive episodes which I didn't have the capacity to do every week on top of interviews and editing and everything else that goes into creating a podcast, which is a lot. Um, on the surface, it, it you know, I was like, oh, a podcast is easy. On the surface, it, it kind of looks like that. But then when you get into it, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is really something. Um, so I do do scripted researched episodes once a month on infamous cults, but they don't go out on the public feed. So there are a few extra episodes as well. I'd say we're about episodes 260-ish, I'd say. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I am proud because we had a four-month-old baby as new parents in a, in a, in a global pandemic, which none of us had ever experienced before in lockdown where we couldn't leave our house where people couldn't come around and support us with this you know new baby who didn't know us and we didn't know him and you know everyone's trying to get to know each other and needs and wants and 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 communication and and everything which is so hard sleep deprived and and you know maybe not taking the best care of ourselves um i am so proud of myself uh, that i released that episode and 18 months later, our second child was born. 
And I was so, so, so sick. I was hospitalized throughout the pregnancy. I was, um, you know, labor actually was, was, was okay for me both times. It was actually pretty great both times, thankfully. Um, and I was sick with both pregnancies and with the second, it was hard because I had the, 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 the tiny little, um, tiny little one to look after at the same time, but I never missed a Friday release. I have, I have been consistent, uh, probably since about six months into the podcast, I just said to myself, I'm going to release an episode every Friday and I've never missed an episode. I remember being in the hospital with our baby, like a few hours old. And I was at my laptop, like, I'm just going to click the upload button. <laughs> um, you know, just, uh, just making sure that I didn't miss that, that Friday one because labor was okay. You know, I, I, I didn't need any medical attention. Um, so I'm, I could have just been at home. Um, but yeah, I was still releasing, content from the hospital <laughs> and the thing about you know being a pot well being about being a listener you know before i started doing the podcast it looks so i mean it looks easy you know just record and then that's it because i see i see it you know uh other podcasters they're so good at just it, it's like a like a factory like every week or sometimes i have like every day i'm like damn you know wow so when i started doing podcasting myself the, the beginning was actually a lot of unknown unknown a lot of unknown I was just I was just winging it my very my very very first episode was actually <laughs> I was actually driving and I was recording on my phone uh with with my co-worker uh we were on our lunch break but he is a Mormon and the interesting is that I didn't even know that I was going to talk about cults. It was just like a practice and we just, it might still be, be on my podcast. I don't even know, but I just did it. Oh my it gosh, and... you should release that. You should put that up on your, on your Patreon, at least if you don't want to put it out on the public feed. I think that would be so interesting to listen. I wonder if your, your friend who was part of the, the LDS church would have been like, well, I, I don't know. There is the RLDS as well, but. <laughs> Part of the Mormon faith, whichever branch, um, you know, maybe even a polygamist. Um, I wonder if he was like, wow, I've experienced those things. Or if he was like this, I've never heard anything like this in my life. <laughs> well, he, he didn't really share too much about his personal religion. Uh, so I never felt like culty vibes from him. Very down to earth and, you know, cool. But it was just so interesting how like me and my journey, I just... Like I said, I just winged it, just go for it and see how it goes. And then little by little, it developed into becoming the truth that heals. Whereas in your journey, it's like you were more thoughtful about it and more intentional. Uh, but it's just so interesting to see how, you know, each podcaster has a different journey and a different different progress. Would you say that it has your podcast has changed significantly from episode one or has it stayed linear or how would you describe it yeah i'd say it's changed significantly i never i never thought that i would get past 10 episodes that anyone would listen that i'd be able to keep up researching scripting recording um 
if, if anyone would have told me it was going to become an interview based podcast, I never would have believed them. I don't, I, I just never would have been a, I, I wouldn't be able to like conceive how that would happen. Like how would, how could that possibly happen? It was such an organic thing, but the trajectory after my conversation with Helen, it just changed everything. I, I, I feel like it was never my intention for that to happen but it's it's one of the things that I am most thankful for in in this world today I am so thankful to this podcast and everybody that I get the opportunity to speak to I think it's such an incredible space to work in and there are so many amazing amazing people it's like the bravery the bravery and the strength of individuals is incredible but it's more it's more than that it's it's like the sharing of information and the common agenda of preventing this from happening in the future to other people. It, I feel like that's something quite strong and significant. But I listen to you talk to me each week on Reddit about what you're doing with your podcast and how things are changing for you and what you've worked out this week or what you've realized you want to change. And I just think that that's so interesting to hear you on that journey having these moments where you're thinking I want to learn how to edit audio a bit more than I know how to right now and just to hear you vocalize those things to me on a weekly basis is it's just absolutely amazing I think it's incredible having a podcast it's a lot of work but it, it really is worth it talking about all the work uh what are some Perhaps like for like for someone who is starting to get into podcasting, what what advice can you give them of things to avoid uh, or mistakes that you have made in your own journey? If you've made mistakes. I think that if interviewing is something that is going to be a part of somebody's platform there has to be some type of vetting process and an ethics process where you explain to an individual the steps of your podcast and, and how you plan to conduct an interview um i feel like it's beneficial for both people or all the people that are going to be involved in the conversation to know what to expect um and that includes the host as well um you know you sent me a list of questions ahead of our chat today um we might be going through all of them we might be going through none of them but if i said to you i'm not comfortable asking these questions that i haven't prepared for you'd have a whole load of other questions that i am prepared for that you've sent me in advance so I think that that is this something very beneficial, you know, preparing everybody as much as you can. Um, when it comes to interviewing individuals, if you have your due diligence process and an individual still, you know, has passed all of those checks that you have, um, you know, meets the criteria for, for an interview if, if that's something that you have. You know, I, I've spoken to other cult podcasters who have, you know, pretty significant followings who say, you know, oh, I only want female guests or I only want to interview people that have really good microphones and cameras. Um, I don't really have any stipulations like that in place. I just think, you know, if you have a way of jumping on a Zoom call, that let's have a conversation. Um. And uh, that's usually why my 
audio quality is not great because you can't you know you can only do so much with zoom mm -hmm. um but i don't think that we can work in this space effectively as effectively as possible if we are restricting ourselves to the guests that we interview um if they kind of go through the vetting process that you have for yourself and and you know meet the the criteria in that way um because of course if you're doing a podcast about cults there's a chance that there are going to be some disgruntled individuals in the world that think you are speaking ne negatively about them and the group that they belong to and might attempt to position themselves as a as a former member so that they can come and um and you know speak on your show about why the cult is actually not a cult um i think those conversations could be interesting but you'd want to prepare for those in the correct way so that might be a reason why you have a vetting process and there have been instances where individuals who i have spoken with beforehand have have been through that process um and i've thought yeah these are going to be you know great survivors to interview um and it's just not worked out that way uh, either <clears throat> individuals have said they are a certain age to me and then when we've started recording there's lots of different birth dates that are being used lots of information that doesn't really add up um and you know i i found out later on that the individual that i interviewed was told me that they were 21 but then after the interview told me they were 17 about to turn 18 and i said to them there's no way I can release this this episode. And they said, can you release it after I'm 18? And I said, unfortunately, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So there are still things that people learn. Um, there's, a, there's a few interviews that I have um, there's a few people that I thought, oh, maybe I'll I'll you know, I'll give the benefit of the doubt because this, you know, this is a, a difficult uh, demographic of, of, of people um, that, that you work with in terms of um, understanding each individual's experiences, their responses to certain questions. Um, and I think trust your gut is, is what I'm trying to say. If you speak to somebody and something feels off or something doesn't feel right, or you think to yourself, I don't know how I can pitch this in a way that that you know would sit right with me or with listeners like just for your own for your own mental health just trust your gut when it comes to to certain things because um a lot of work goes into interviewing and preparing for an interview and then if you find out after the interview that all of that time could have gone towards an individual who who was truthful about their age to begin with um you know and and was an adult um who who could share their experiences um and uh you know then then i i would have rather avoided that um and in the, if this individual who was under the age of 18 wished to share their story like i wish that i could have signposted them to a to a professional in the space that could help them with their story or 
that they would have come you know back 18 months to two years later um to, to share their story then yeah that's very good advice uh for those who are trying to you know do podcasting the vetting and you're really getting to know who's gonna be on your show uh, another thing I was kind of curious because you mentioned earlier in this episode about uh, the need of taking two days off or a couple of days off, a few days off. Uh, what are signs that you need to put the podcast, the recording on a break and chill out? With... I think that that probably looks different for each individual in terms of how each person responds to certain content and, uh, and certain conversations. I find myself becoming reluctant to do any podcast work. I feel, it feels a bit like burnout, um, I find myself procrastinating, uh, but also simultaneously getting stressed because I have deadlines that I'm not meeting because I'm procrastinating. And I'm sure that that feels very or sounds very familiar to to, to anybody that that's listening. Um, but it's a bit more than that. It's if I sit down to try and do the work, I feel myself like getting a bit stressed or getting upset sometimes I might find myself sad um sometimes teary and I can't really put my finger on what it is and I think to myself I kind of check in I think you know oh uh, my my kids are okay my kids aren't poorly um you know oh one of them hasn't you know like fallen and hurt themselves which is you know like a kind of sadness that might stay with a parent for a little while and um, you know seeing your kids in pain or seeing them poorly one of mine uh is so poorly right now and I just hate to see them like you can't do anything really and that's that's not nice so I check in with my kids I check in with my partner is he okay has he told me anything sad lately am I worried for him in any way um I check in with all of these things I even check in with the podcast I check in with money I check in with my family my parents uh, my friends and then I think you know I check in with the podcast everything's fine and then I'm like oh that conversation last week though that that was a really tough one and then I feel that same sadness kind of bubble up and I think that that right there that's what it is so it's kind of like when you're anxious about something and you can't put your finger on it but as soon as you put your finger on exactly what it is you're like ah that's it like or if you've forgotten that you need to do something and you're like, what is it? What is it that I need to do? Oh, post so-and-so's birthday card. Like as soon as you have your finger on what it is, you immediately kind of feel like not peaceful, but you're, you feel kind of, I guess, back in control a little bit because you can identify what it is that's making you have that feeling. So when I get that feeling in my chest, when I find myself kind of like putting off work, because I love this podcast, I love doing this podcast. So when I find myself reluctant to do it or a little bit kind of, you know, frustrated about doing any kind of social media stuff and, and things like that, I'm like, why do I feel this way all of a sudden? Because that's not how I, that's not how I really feel about the show. And then I'm like, 
this is this is what it is and it's so important to be able to put your finger on 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 what it is that's causing that um and sometimes i can't sometimes i i can't and sometimes it just is um a build up of various different difficult conversations that have all kind of muddied together and then you realize it's an amalgamation of of difficult themes that have come together to be like oh the whole thing is just really difficult right now um you know it could also be like as a woman i have a menstrual cycle so my hormones go through a lot of different changes every month um we have two young children so that can that can often be difficult to to juggle on top of everything else so may, sometimes it's just that there's a lot of stuff going on outside of the podcast and anything that happens inside of the podcast that is slightly difficult um it can feel a lot it can feel a lot more than it than it typically would if everything outside the podcast was running smoothly as you can tell, I'm not the most articulate person and I take a million years to answer one question and I go all around and I say the same thing four times. And um, yes, the people have made me very aware in, in some lovely one star reviews. I mean, you know, with those one star reviews, you've heard my my opinions on that. Um, but I, I personally find uh, interviews to be, uh, it can be a beautiful thing because like even though you're you're saying how you take a, you take forever to answer a question i mean that's that's your view but me i'm i'm very interested in seeing i like to wonder i'm always curious i feel like a, like a child like you know very scientific you know getting to see like what like how is the mind thinking and as you speak you're really i see you your mind is at work and you know, you're very transparent uh, to a point uh, to the audience and even on the show. Um, and I'm kind of curious with all that pressure and you mentioned um, a bit of burnout. Are there any activities that, that you lean towards uh, to kind of release that pressure? I know that sometimes some people they might do breathing exercises or they might do yoga or whatever you know you do you but what do you do if you would have asked me that question four years ago I would have told you that I just sleep um <laughs> I just sleep I nap um I am I'm a I, well I'm not now I was a serial napper oh I used to live <laughs> for the weekends where I could nap I used to get I used to get home from like work or school and if I had to be somewhere in like two hours I would just I would just take an hour's nap um it was something that I did as a child because my parents would go and do naps during the day when I was a kid and I didn't you know I didn't really go out too much so I'd be like well this is boring what am I supposed to do I guess I'll just go and nap till my parents wake up um so that's something that's been in me my whole life um, so, you know, what better time to start a podcast that takes up so much of your mental capacity, um, you know, the same time that you're having kids. What a great, what a great thing to do. Um, <laughs> I mean, it gets easier as people tell you, as people love to tell you, it gets easier as your kids get older. But something that's been so difficult about children is not having 
regular sleep, not having long undisturbed periods of sleep and not having naps. So when things get really, really tough, my partner will just say, oh, just go upstairs for an hour. And that is the greatest gift that he could give me. Oh, my goodness. But then sometimes I get so excited for a nap that I can't sleep. <laughs> I just lay back like excited for sleep. Um, that's what that's that is when people say, Oh, what do you do to relax? I wish I could just take an hour's nap. Um, you know, some people read books, some people go for walks, some people, you know, do exercise I just I just love to to be you know sometimes I don't even need to sleep I just lay there still in the quiet and that is just in my cozy bed um just all cozy warm and that 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 is just my idea of relaxation um because that's not possible all the time I do like hot hot baths really hot baths that no one else can seem to ever kind of tolerate um my my partner says I'm like a lobster when I come out the bar. Um, and then every Tuesday I go to Pilates before we talk on our Reddit chats. Um, so that's a little bit of of me time as well um, in a weird kind of masochistic way. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and do really difficult exercise for an hour because I want to look after me. <laughs> But it's good to look after you, um, you know, whether it's taking a nap or taking a hot bath or Pilates. I mean, me, I personally, I think I'll go with the, uh, the nap. I'll, I'll take a nap oh, over yeah. over Pilates. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's just the best thing. And it's funny because my partner's like, oh, gosh, I, I don't like to nap. And I'm just like, that's OK. Not for the two of us. <laughs> And you've spoken a bit about your partner. Now, does he ever help out um, in the podcast? I mean, he's there. Is he helpful in any way or is it just all you? Oh, he's helpful in every way. We we are definitely like interdependent. Um, he is a, a fantastic parent. I I just admire his commitment to role playing and children's games um, and also his ability to just be so present with the children and to actively want to spend time with them as uh, as a parent, you know, without me. Um, he's the type of parent that would. um you know, question if somebody was to say to him, oh, you're so good taking the kids out. And he'd be like, why? Like, no one would ever say that to the, the mother of the children. Oh, you're so good taking your kids out. Um, So that's something that's that's amazing. Um, And throughout this whole journey, he has given me so much time and space and understanding when it's come to this podcast. He's really allowed me to make it uh, a priority in terms of, you know, the children are, are all taken care of and then I do podcast work. Um, and he's really just been amazing. Every Saturday I get to go and catch up with all my work in Starbucks. Um, and then Sunday is family day, so we all do something together, which is nice. But 
a few months ago, my my partner did take on the role of editing my audio. So if anybody has noticed a change in the audio uh, for the better, that would be him. He's he's much more um, he's much more um, patient and much better with the audio than than I am. I think, um, and and that's what's needed in this space. Um, I feel like I couldn't give what I needed to to the editing with you know four or five interviews a week um and and all of the the stuff with the children and their routine which is which is so incredibly important um so he's there he's always around he knows just as much about cults and coercive control at this point as I do I feel like Salford are going to have to give him like an honorary master's degree after I complete the course because he's just I I vent to him about everything you know that's another thing that 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 I do to kind of um offload um I tell him you know oh, I've got this issue with Instagram or why isn't TikTok working or why why is my interview only two minutes long when it's a you know when it's like a a, a three-hour interview like what's happening and he's so patient um and he's he's absolutely incredible just the most su- supportive person um and I really am so lucky to have him well I'm so happy for you because I mean it's it is not an easy job being a podcaster and like i was saying earlier you know before i even got involved in this i'm just surprised that you know how many people are able to really put out episodes sometimes every day or three times a week but many podcasters not all but many do have a team and you started off pretty much by yourself and it's yeah, just so that's good the, to see the interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I appreciate that, Ryan. And I appreciate you you pointing that out because it is always something that's difficult when you know, I think sometimes as content creators, we can't help but, you know, compare ourselves to other people's followers on Instagram or um mentions in you know like the uh like a a new york times article might say like you know like 10 leading cult podcasts and you kind of think oh it's a shame that mine's not listed in 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 you know that 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 list because i think it would be so great for the show so great for the guests as well um and also you know like i'm so proud of my podcast um but a lot of podcasts that start and are successful are created by people that are I already like like people that are celebrities people that are famous people that already have like a significant online following which translates into a successful podcast following um some people have uh podcasts that they start under huge networks like Wondery for example uh some people come to it after being in you know really popular documentaries that um have featured them and then they start their own show and people are like oh hey that person from that really famous documentary has their own podcast so you know these are really good ways of people gaining a following but um yeah as I said I just started the show I I don't use my full name I didn't connect my personal social media accounts to my cult podcast media accounts so all of those were just made from scratch with no no um significant uh pre-following um at all and it's tough it's tough when you're working in that space to compete with people 
that um, you know grow their channels and their social media platforms so quickly because they are either working with established people in the field um, or they are putting out so much incredible content at such a good like fast rate that they are growing uh, their platforms so quickly and it feels like you just can't keep up with that type of um, that type of uh, volume um, but then I remember everybody's on their own journey and this is just in terms of content creation um, everybody's on their own journey and just because an individual has a certain amount of followers it doesn't mean that their content is more substantial than yours if somebody listens to one of our episodes and they're like wow that's going to stop me from joining this destructive group where I will lose all of my friends and family like can you compare that to like having a certain amount of followers on Instagram or you know subscribers on YouTube there is kind of like a cycle we're like well the more people that listen the more people it will reach and then the more people might follow and then the more people it will reach and so on so of course there is there is a, a level of um of of wanting to grow your social media channels and your streaming platforms and and youtube and such um but also it's respecting the guests stories respecting the guests experiences and and respecting the influence um or the validation or the education that that guests story can have on other people so as a content creator we've talked about you know you go through these ups and downs of emotion and um commitment and uh of of being really encouraged with the show and then at times kind of not being encouraged with the show because of your own sort of mental health and your own things going on in life but that also comes with sort of like oh um, it would be great if if I had more downloads for my episode. And then you're like, actually, you know, it's not the downloads that matters, it's actually the content. And then you'll have another thing like, oh, you know, I've put out so much amazing stuff. They say build it and they will come, but where are they? Um, and then again, you're kind of back to, you know, but it's not it's not the 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 listenership that's important. It's everything. Everything is important. Your your passion for the project people being kind of involved in the project so that you have people to create content for and then also the guests feeling like they have been treated with respect that they feel better for sharing their stories and that people can offer feedback on how those stories have changed their lives so it's a whole thing nothing is more important than the other I think um and that's what I'm trying to say yeah and I find it very inspirational what you're doing because uh, we see other podcasters and like you like you've said they already have a bit of a name out there and popularity and that's awesome you know and i i wish them the best and i love i love retweeting their stuff or sharing it and and the thing that's different with beginners like you or you know or those who are starting off as a content creator or digital creator, whatever you call it, creator is that you're starting from zero and it really shows the courage that has to, you know, you have to really put a lot of courage from that episode one. I mean, just, just starting it. It's that, you know, that fear of failure. And like you said, 
oh, I, I, I thought I'd just do 10 episodes and that would be it. And it started off as a hobby, but now it seems a bit more than just a hobby. W- would you say that it is more than just a hobby or do you still find it to be just a hobby in your life? Yeah, it's definitely my full-time job at this point. Um, I I didn't go back to work after maternity leave because I was focusing everything on the, the podcast that I could at that point. So typically it's like um, 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. with the children and then 8 p.m. onwards on podcast work, which is usually till kind of one or two in the morning. Um, and that is that is every day pretty much with my partner working a full-time job and then coming home and then helping with the last part of the day with the children and then him working on podcast stuff as well. So it's so much work, but we are throwing everything that we have at making this project as as reachable for everybody as possible. Um, So of course it's going to be disheartening when you see other people racing ahead and you're wondering you know oh why why can't I race ahead like I really want that for the show um and I would love to make a full-time wage from the podcast as well because it is my job and if I was doing this level of work for a company um or or for an organization of course I would be paid for putting that content together and putting it out into the world um that being said this podcast wouldn't exist without the supporters and patrons of the show. And it also wouldn't exist without the guests that come on to, to create the content that is put out in the first place. Um, I do, I do hope for the show to continue growing in the way that it has, because I feel it would be amazing for these stories to reach as far as possible. Um, so when people say, oh, what are your goals with the podcast? I'm sure you've experienced, Ryan, that the goalposts change all the time. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, oh, I'd love this. And then that happens and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's great. But now I kind of would like this. Um, and and that's no different for, for me now, kind of three years in, like my goals change all of the, the time. Um, I, I hit certain goals. Um, and then I think, you know, oh, maybe those goals are unrealistic. But then a few months later, I realize, oh, maybe they're not. So um, it's just peaks and troughs with this with this uh, as a as a job. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm hopeful for the continued success of the podcast. And to kind of start wrapping things up uh, from from this part. Wow, we've really gone through a lot. We've gone through the beginnings of the, you know, starting off with the pandemic to uh, having two lovely children to your partner uh, being so supportive. I wanted to ask, where does the cult vault go from here? What's next Mm. for the cult vault? Well, I'm really looking forward to taking my podcast to CrimeCon again this year, which is in, in June on the 10th and 11th. Um, my partner's very excited that you've confirmed that you will also be there, Ryan, which is amazing. Um, he's really excited to meet you in person as well. And so I'm looking forward to that. I hope to revamp my website. Um, there's a load of amazing survivor resources on my website, but it does need a little bit of an update. Um, and there's a ton of things that I need to add to that website. So hopefully I will get round to that um and these are kind of just small 
the things that I'd like to accomplish this year. But in terms of the podcast itself, uh, I just hope it continues growing. I hope that my master's degree will add another level of credibility to the show. There are podcast awards coming up. So I'm always hopeful that the show might win a podcast because uh, win a podcast award because then it might be promoted more and then it might be more accessible for people that otherwise wouldn't have heard the show before and who can listen to all of these incredible stories that people have told on the podcast. Um, you know, I was always like, oh, Kim Kardashian started a podcast. Why does she need to start a podcast? What about all of us little podcasters at the, <laughs> the bottom of the independent podcaster ladder? But then I realized that she will most likely bring an entirely new demographic of, of listener to the true crime genre that otherwise maybe would have never listened to a podcast. So um, there's always those things to consider. Um and I think that's important as well. And there's there's a, a space for all of us. There's a there's a, a niche for each person. We're all carving out our own spaces. As you said, you know, if we all spoke to the same person, our conversations would be different depending on our experiences, our perspectives, our questions, our curiosity, um, and all of those things combined. So um I don't really know where the podcast will go. Maybe I will continue after a master's onto a PhD. Um, I don't know if I would ever want to be a therapist or counselor at this point in my life. Maybe that will change. Um, or maybe I will, you know, in 20, 30 years, be one of those leading cult experts that people talk about that I talk about now. Um, you said you don't want to sound like a stalker when, when you talk about Yanya Lalich, but... I, I absolutely adore Yanya. Um, and she would say, let's not have idols. And I would say, but you're my idol. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm not really sure what, what my goals are. I just hope the show keeps growing, um, reaching uh, new audience members and that people keep um, finding the strength to tell their stories. Although it would be amazing one day if there were no more stories to tell. Like all of this prevention work that everybody in the world is doing was so successful that you know no no one had a story of of coercive control to to tell um of course that's like probably never ever going to happen because there are just so many uh evil people in the world um yeah, i have never even thought of that like how how amazing? would it like, it would be so oh, great Hello, listeners, and welcome to the final episode of the Cult Vault podcast, episode 3672. And after this, uh, there will be no more uh, no more interviews. Um, so we will just keep releasing the back catalogue of the podcast for the rest of time. Um, yeah, it would be amazing. That, that'll only happen if uh, Armageddon is here. <laughs> at the end of times yeah. or something but i know and then i always think you know what if at the end of the world one of those groups that i've talked about on this podcast is the only group that remains at the end of it you know where you think oh you say you have the truth you say you have the truth you say you have the truth what are the chances that one of those groups at, at the end of everything was going to be right the whole time and they're going to say, we told you so. <laughs> well, well, I don't think so. But uh, that that's the beauty of 
you know, podcasting is that there's just so many perspectives and so much openness. And you've just mentioned about a crime con. Can you explain what the hell is a crime con to those who have no idea what crime con even is? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit culty of me, isn't it? It's like using terminology and assuming that everybody else knows what, what I'm talking about. Um, so CrimeCon is, uh, it's a convention. It's kind of like um, Comic-Con. You know, people go um, and they they all bask in their kind of common appreciation for comic books and cosplay um, and all things like what I would say geeky and nerdy, not in a derogatory way because mm. I absolutely am a little bit geeky and nerdy um because <laughs> i do mm -hmm. like to play my xbox as well um and uh it's for individuals interested in true crime so there's um the crime con brand is an american brand they have a huge convention every year where leading experts in the field of true crime um go to these conventions to do live talks and panels and book signings and workshops um, and, and, and really create an immersive experience for true crime. The crime con brand in the UK, it's trying to do the same thing, but, uh, but focus more on the victims and the survivors and law um, and change in policy um, and putting a, a real focus on on those things. So what you can do at CrimeCon in the UK is come and see forensic psychologists, forensic psychiatrists, private detectives, retired crime scene investigators, and senior investigating officers of the Metropolitan Police. You can see... Um, uh, there are police dogs that you can meet um, and their trainers talk you through how the police dogs are trained. There is um, there are crime scene investigation workshops that you can take with fingerprint dusting um, and and, you know, that type of immersive experience. But there are also a, a ton of content creators at CrimeCon. So we kind of have our own little subsection. And there's loads of stools of different true crime podcasts and YouTube channels. And we all get together and we all have a stool and um, people that come to the event, they come table to table. They ask us about our podcasts or if they're listeners, they come and meet the hosts of the show that they, you know, that they enjoy listening to. Um, we give away a ton of free merchandise. I, I had last year key rings and fridge magnets and stickers, bookmarks, um, and then in between live talks and panels that you want to go and see with, you know, like, for example, um, last time I went to CrimeCon in Scotland, I went to watch Dr. Shaham Das, a, a forensic psychiatrist, talking about his work in the field, which was a really interesting, uh, a really interesting talk that he gave um, on uh, paranoid schizophrenia. And then... In between sessions, you can go and meet the content creators or you can go to the bar or you can go and get food. And then at the end of the day, once all of the sessions are finished, um, everybody can just kind of goes off the clock and everybody goes to meet in the bar and you have, you know, patrons and ticket holders of the event. But you also have the people that that conducted and, and hosted the panels for the day all in the same room. So 
I'm going to be there doing a live talk with John Atak, who is a survivor of Scientology and has written um, a, a, a world um, world leading book on Scientology uh, called A Piece of Blue Sky. And he has done so much work around coercive control. So I'm going to be doing a live talk with John Atak at CrimeCon, which is like a huge honor for me. And I'm so, so excited. And then John's going to be doing book signings of A Piece of Blue Sky a piece of blue sky or let's sell them a piece of blue sky which is the updated version of his original uh, publication and then at the end of the day you know john and i will probably be in the bar and if you have questions for him after the panel you can just come and ask him and it's like just just talking um and it's amazing because i don't know any other places where you would be given that experience you know you go watch um uh you know like a podcast on tour uh, I don't know that you would, you know, hang out in the bar after that or, you know, you go watch, um, you know, one of your favorite bands uh, live on stage. And, you know, and I don't know, again, that that there's the opportunity to hang out with everybody at the end. So that's what's really special about CrimeCon. It, it's kind of like um, an intimate experience in that way. Um, and it all takes place in the same hotel. Typically, the people at the convention are staying at the hotel as well. And then everybody's there at breakfast. And it's just really cool. Um, and it's great for networking as well. If you are somebody that is creating content, it's so good for networking. You can tell people all about your show and they will tell you about their show. And everybody swaps like little trade secrets about download numbers and and how to make more impressions and how to get your podcast further out into the public realm and uh it's just incredible um i really enjoy it. it's one of my favorite weekends of the year and i'm so excited and are there tickets still available yes there are tickets still available it is quite an expensive event but it is worth it for the um for what you can get for that ticket price uh there is just so much packed into that weekend it really is non-stop uh, so you can go to crimecon.co.uk and you can get tickets um, today as it stands. I don't know how many tickets are left, but you can also use the code cult at the checkout, C-U-L-T, and uh, that will get you 10% off your tickets if you are interested in going. And I just, I didn't have anybody use my code last year, um, but it would just be amazing to meet listeners like in person that's like a dream of mine when I started this podcast I was like wow wouldn't it be so cool if I did like a live tour like oh that to me it's like the equivalent you know I get to do live shows at the event and to meet listeners it would just be the icing on the cake that would be amazing uh, so thank you so much Casey I've been really honored to have you on the show and are there any last words that you would like to give to the audience Oh gosh, um, I think I've probably spoken enough for for like a, a week's worth of uh, of content. Um, if anybody listening is thinking about starting their own podcast, just 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 start it. Don't worry about the equipment that you have. Don't worry about whether it's going to get loads of listeners. Just record something and put it out there in the world. Um, I think that that's one of the bits of advice that I was given that was really helpful when I started the podcast. Um, and anybody listening that has had a cultic experience, 
you don't have to share your story publicly for it to affect people and make positive change. Listening to other people's stories and having your own experiences validated is one of the most effective things that you can do because it's going to heal yourself, hopefully, and other people that you might recommend the content to or loved ones that are also coming out of a group that you have left. And I think that oftentimes with my podcast um, or with the Cult Fault podcast, people feel as though sharing their story might be the only way to make positive impact. But just obtaining that extra bit of education, learning the terminology that's used in the field that goes with certain tactics and manipulations that are being used can be the difference between staying in a group and leaving a group. So it's incredible how many people do come out and publicly share their stories, but that might not be the best thing for everybody. And there are still small and subtle things that we can do to make huge huge changes um so i want to big up every single person that has ever taken the time to share their experiences with myself and anybody that listens to the cult vault podcast and the truth that heals podcast but i also want to say a massive thank you for those allies and those survivors who maybe don't come forward, but share the work, educate themselves, understand that there is a way to deconstruct and heal from their own respective experiences. Um, so we have we have very loud heroes and we have very quiet ones too. And I just wanted to take a second to say thank you to all of those people as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose I suppose that's really it. I'm just really appreciative of, of you, Ryan, and your time. And I always say you have like the warmest energy and you are always so uplifting and positive whenever we speak. Um, I'm sure you have periods where you don't feel that way and you're very quiet and you're very withdrawn and you have periods where you're like, yeah, I am warm and I am uplifting all of the time. But right now I'm not going to be like that. Um, so I am just appreciative of, of, of you and helping me with the Reddit talks that we do on a Tuesday and for inviting me on your show and for helping me understand the impact that this work can have in the world. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, you, you tell your story now, you're so brave. You're, you're like a completely different Ryan to the one that I met when we first started talking and it's just, you just go from strength to strength every week and it's amazing. And, um, I, I really love being in a position where I can sit here and just, um, see people thrive in the way that you are. So I appreciate you and your, and your time as well and your commitment to your show. Yes. Thank you. I mean, it, it does take a lot of commitment and seeing other creators you know starting off from zero gives me that little push that little nudge that i can do it because for so long you know being in a coercive environment and very dark and being told you know you're worth nothing you're good for nothing 
seeing your example, seeing your actions of and your partners, because I know he's very helpful, but seeing this creation of, you know, putting up work and the dedication and the scripting and then, you know, the Patreon and then the YouTube and then the all this, it takes dedication. And like you said, it started off with just an idea. I want to do something. I want to start a hobby. And then boom, you've created a whole universe or maybe not a universe, but you've created something beautiful. It does talk about darkness. It does have depressing moments, but then there's that beauty where you can capture the authentic story of the actual survivor. And it's not being filtered by a documentary where, you know, you have different angles, you're just going straight at it. And we as audience don't always have that access, but you given us that access. So that inspires me to be, to be committed and to keep going. And I'll see where the, the truth, the heels podcast goes. I didn't even, I started this just for the hell of it. I mean, it was just, I just wanted to have some fun. I was bored. I'm a very, like, if I get bored, I just wanted to do something. I like to push myself. And this was just kind of like you, just a hobby. Screw it. I need to do something in life. You know, just let's see where it goes. I just dared myself. And it, it's it's growing. And seeing other podcasts like yours, such an inspiration so oh, it is growing it's amazing and i think what we should do is when you get to your third podcast birthday we should do the same interview but i'll ask you the same questions and i'll see what your answers are <laughs> okay well i don't even know like when i started the podcast <laughs> so let's give it look at, the, look at the date you uploaded your first episode and take that as your as okay. your birthday <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll do that. I'll have to because I know I've deleted quite a few, um, but we'll go back. Yeah, I mean it's a learning journey, but that's how the process is for those who are starting something. So for those who are listening, if you want to do a podcast or you want to be a creator or you want to do something amazing in life, uh, for today, look at Casey and what she's done and find inspiration. Uh, by her example so go ahead and check out the cult vault podcast you are available on which platforms all all major podcast platforms um and there we have a youtube channel so all of the episodes are released onto the youtube channel as well and i also release um regular cult news updates of all of the things going on in the cultiverse and i upload the occasional um short or tiktok as well uh of different educational pieces or my thoughts on certain documentaries so there's just loads of stuff happening all of the time occasionally i release deep dives onto youtube as well onto celebrities that have questionable activities in their in their history you know like ezra miller and r kelly and i'm working on a harvey weinstein piece so there's just so much stuff happening all the time um and if anybody has made it to the end of my rambling to hear me saying all of this like let's get some medals sent out in the post because oh my goodness I have just gone on and on and on and chewed your ear off today Ryan this is what happens when you are speaking to people and then someone's like do you do you want to speak and you're like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Casey and again for the audience 
go check out her podcast. And if you're going to be in London during June, June 10 and 11, go and see us at CrimeCon in London. That's it for today. I'm here joined with Casey from the Cult Vault. And I'm your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez. Thank you very much.